Hello, and welcome back to Brace. On today's episode, Time and I are going to be discussing a book that he recently finished, Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. So, Tommy, tell me, what is this story about? So, Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah is about two characters. One is Donald Shimoda, and the other, who you're reading from, uh, his name is Richard. So, it's a first-person perspective from Richard, and he comes across Donald as Richard is a airplane flyer and takes people up on rides, kind of travels the countryside, and just takes people on little flights for three bucks. I think it's set back in maybe the 50s, 60s. And he comes across this Donald Shimoda. I think I'm just going to call him Don from now on. And Don is a bit different. He just seems odd, seems not in like a bad way, just in a different sort of way. Very profound and very wise. And Richard starts to figure out after he sees a couple of things happen that Don is a sort of messiah. Someone who can say the right thing and create miracles, whether that just be having things float or landing the plane in an impossible way. And he sees this and he sees how he is able to influence people on these different towns that they travel across. And the whole time, Richard is starting to learn what that means to be a messiah and also learning how to cast these sort of miracles. I don't think I've ever read a fiction book where the messiah shows up in the 1950s. We should start at the beginning, I guess. What made you choose this book? And then what was your first impression when you started it? So I'll be a little bit vulnerable, but I had a mental crisis a few months ago where I was really getting into Christianity. I was spending a lot of time reading and and thinking through the ideas, uh, especially uh, in the Old Testament. And through prayer and all this, all the, the devotion, I started thinking, you know, why couldn't there be another sort of Jesus-like figure? If you acted as exactly as Jesus would, then wouldn't you become Jesus? And then, you know, there's a lot of things where in Christianity, it seems to me, just based on what I've read, is we're all part of God and ideas that God is everything, so therefore we are part God or or the culmination of all of us is. And so I was having difficult issues where I was essentially wondering if, you know, I had to be the martyr, right? If If that was the path that God had given me. And my dad recommended this book as fun reading to go through when you're kind of in that mind state, right? And I was also sleep deprived and not of the right mind. That was kind of how I came across the book. First of all, I want to just say there are certain characterizations you just made of God that as a Christian, I wouldn't agree with, uh, but that's okay. We can have our, we can have our disagreements on that. And that is not the purpose of this podcast. So I will leave that uh, where it is, but I will reiterate the second half of my question there. When you started the book, kind of what was your first impression? Cause it sounds very character driven, but also it sounds like to me, very mythological and I don't know if I would be able to get very engaged with it quickly. Well, it starts off with 
Richard writing about Donald. And I think it's like 30 passages of the the Messiah-like character, Donald, kind of how he came to be. It's almost like handwriting at the start. That's that first chapter. It's just handwriting for maybe the first 10, 15 pages. And you're kind of hearing the story of this Messiah-like character. And so it draws you in at the start. And then you start to see actual events occur. That's interesting. When you say handwriting, you mean literally it's not text in the physical book. It looks like it was journaled. Yes. Wow. Okay. I don't know that I've ever had a a fiction book do that either. So this seems like, yeah, look at that. Wow. Tommy's showing it to me right now. That's cool. What themes were showing up regularly throughout the book? Obviously, the the Messiah and the role that the Messiah plays would be one of them. But what themes were you seeing regularly and, and did those resonate with you? It was very philosophical. It, in a sense, goes into a sort of religion or belief system. And I think some of the ideas in the book are anybody might be able to do a lot of good but they might not be doing good objectively in a sense. So both of the characters, you know, despite learning to, you know, kind of master the space and time around them have issues. And the character you're reading from the perspective, Richard, he doesn't like crowds. Whereas Donald Shimoda, he gets his, I guess, self-worth through other people's opinions he essentially has maximized his his being in order to please everyone in a way. And they each learn from one another where, you know, Richard is like, that's a bad way to think if you take all your enjoyments in life from other people's perspectives. And he's like, wow, look at you. You are very profound. If I can interject real quick, uh, the idea that the Messiah character, Don, right, would get his self-worth from others opinions feels so antithetical from how the actual Messiah worked in, in the world At the end, he had 12 friends. Well, really 11 and pretty much the rest of the society that knew about him was rooting for him to get killed. And throughout, he turned a lot of people off. He had a lot of followers at certain points, and then he would say something controversial and and it would turn everybody off. So the idea that this character has Messiah-like qualities, but gets a lot of their self-worth from others' view of him, I just find that to be an interesting dichotomy with how the person of Jesus was. So I I think if I looked at the characteristics of Don, there would be a lot of those dichotomies. I could be wrong. That's just the one that you mentioned, but so I mean it's a it's a small book and I don't necessarily want to get into spoiler territory, but ah okay. Yes, there's in a sense almost a reason uh you see some of those, I guess, incongruencies. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm glad that you say that. Uh, when you were reading it, first of all, did you have, it seems like there were only two very main characters, but was there one that you identified with more or that was your favorite? Were there significant ancillary characters other than what you're mentioning, or is it just passing people throughout? No, it's just these two, and they're kind of traveling around okay. and learning both from one another, but Richard's really the one, kind of the mentee, 
and trying to to learn and there's this there's this messiah handbook and it whatever page you open to just has the the thing you're supposed to know at that moment oh of course weird okay i didn't understand that dynamic so there's an actual physical handbook as well i mean he's uh -huh. also learning things from donald mm -hmm. interesting okay do you and you you gave us a little bit of context as to what was going on in your life when you got recommended this book and picked it up do you feel like it was worthwhile and did you gain a good bit of insight and perspective or was it more of just you said it's a fairly short book was it more of a fun read i think it was one a fun read also thought provoking there were a lot of quotes from the messiah handbook that are almost like quotes you see on tiktoks and things of that nature common advice that everybody should know but just doesn't necessarily use and i think it also gave me the perspective that being good may come in different shapes and forms and the idea that you know you can control what you can control is probably enough it's not that you need to control everyone or everything one thing you said earlier feels like it relates to what you're saying here and i had some questions about it but i wanted to see if it came up again you said that one of the themes was that maybe anyone can do a lot of good but maybe not objectively and it sounds like here you're once again saying in kind of a subjective way there are multiple options for what is good and I'm just curious, first of all, outside of the context of this podcast, we've had plenty of conversations recently about objectivity versus subjectivity. So I'm curious if this book painted your perspective on that one way or another. I mean, it's a fiction book. It's a philosophical book. I enjoy philosophy because it makes me ponder and question and go down certain pathways. I don't know if it clarified objectivity versus subjectivity in some ways it it made a case for subjectivity in some ways it made a case for objectivity mm, okay it sounded from what you said i was getting more of the case for subjectivity but it might be from the results that it has some sort of case for objectivity as well so uh curious about that that's that's good to know thank you um is there anything that you would want to leave the audience with about the book in terms of uh, the content or any sort of prerequisites to reading it that makes sense? Is it a standalone book? Is it a series? It's a standalone book. I don't know when it came out, but. Uh, 1977. So it's a bit of an older, older book. It's a novel in a sense. It's just a huh. one off. It doesn't seem like we read many novels nowadays. That's true. Uh, when it comes to fiction, a lot of fiction seems to be series. Yep. So it was definitely something different, something that I haven't read before. Like there's not a sequel. There's not there's not more. Uh, there's just many questions that, you know, some of them aren't worth answering in a way. Hmm. It's almost better not to ponder. I know I'm speaking almost philosophically, but it was an enjoyable book. I think it gives you a different perspective on on life. It may give you a sort of perspective of if you had this power, would it still be difficult? And I think a way you could relate it is superheroes in the modern day age could be looked at as messiahs 
or even actors or politicians at the highest levels can be looked at as they have this giant following because of the words they say, because of the actions they take. They may not have magical powers, but what is it like to be someone who can do things that are labeled as miracles, that that don't make sense, that most people would say are impossible? Hmm. That's that's an interesting comparison to the celebrity culture that we that we have now and and how uh, it moves people right if kim kardashian tweets one thing millions of people will will react to that i mean um, it's it's influence and yeah it's now seems like the biggest job everybody wants and i know it's a little bit hypocritical <laughs> as we're... we sit here on the podcast <laughs> but to to influence to spread one's own ideas and that's where it's it's difficult to come to a an agreement on objectivity versus subjectivity. How can my way of life be the best way of life for someone else? I don't know that it can be. They haven't lived the same 24 years that I have. Or how am I supposed to tell someone that this is the way for them or this isn't the way for them? I don't think that's necessarily definitionally what objectivity is. I think what objectivity more is, is if you're given a moral choice to different people, uh, but with the same prerequisites for that moral choice, objectivity just says they both can know the same right answer. It's not subjective and say one person says one thing and that's right for them. And the other person says the opposite and that's right for them given the same prerequisites, right? An example that comes to mind is if a woman on the street is being attacked by a guy, it might be the the right thing to do if you are a petite woman is to call the police. And it might be the right thing to do if you are a big man is to go and end that situation right there yourself. That is kind of my case for when you say subjectivity, there are different prerequisites, but you can objectively look at a situation given the prerequisites and say one thing's right. Well, I, I think my biggest problem with objectivity versus subjectivity becomes the generalization, becomes the everybody should do it this way or everybody should do it that way. And I, it's almost like a pet peeve when someone says all or everybody, I always correct into in general or, you know, for most people, maybe not all, just because... I haven't met everybody. I don't know how everybody operates. I, I can't, I wouldn't want to give advice to everybody and say, do it this exact way. And I know, I know you're still making the delineation that in, in a certain situation, what is the moral good or bad, but there's a lot of questions that come up that don't have to do with good or bad, but just what's it's right and wrong. I, I yes, right and wrong. But also like there are questions that, are not as definitive in right or wrong in a way like does someone stay with a job or does someone leave a job does someone hire this person or hire that person these are questions that don't have objective answers you're right there are parts of life that aren't defined in objective terms uh, as as the rights and wrongs. But what I'm saying is there are there are situations that are. And so that's where I think the, that subjectivity fails is it often 
takes a situation that can be viewed objectively and tries to make it be viewed subjectively. But hey, uh, that's fair. Bef- that's fair. Bef- before before we completely change the title of this episode, into, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one last question. Then I'll have you rate the book. You kind of gave again some context into how you were feeling uh, leading into this book. Was this book an emotional lift for you, or maybe more of an emotional drain as you were uh, experiencing it? Emotional lift. This morning, you know, I woke up and eh, I'm gonna shower, and then you know, read. Not feeling all the greatest, but after finishing the book, I just had a cheerier sense of the day's opportunities. Awesome. So I would say that it was it was an uplifting experience. I love that. I'm glad to hear it. Um, so my final question for you, Tommy, as we always have to do, you got to give me your rating for this book on a scale of one to ten. On a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna go with a. Gosh, the the rating's so subjective. It's just that so, is a hundred percent subjective. That is a perfect example right there. There is no moral good in how you, uh, <laughs> what number you associate with this book, unless you call it a 10, in which case I'm going to give you some crap, but hey. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'll go with an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, eight and a half is pretty darn good. Oh, no, okay. no, nope. Changing it. I'm going, I'm going nine, 9.1. Wow. It's, it, it's an A minus. Goodness. A-. Is that how you're ranking things is like a well, grading scale? Nothing's ever just... going to be below so, I mean, so you're, there are you're, failures. There are definitely failures. You're and putting it ahead of Seven Habits, Atomic Habits, Mere Christianity, Man Search for Meaning, everything but How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, Extreme Ownership. Are uh, we mir- comparing apples to morning. apples? Because this is a fiction They're all book. books. We're all... Yes, they're all books, but there's a little bit more subjectivity to this when I'm rating it against <laughs> other fiction books. I think I think what we what I want the ratings to be is... If we have to rank the books we've reviewed on the podcast in order, this is the order that we would put them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I, I get that's how you would want it to be. But yeah, because this is not you, a moral question, you, I, I right. think that it's allowed oh. to, to be subjective for the both of us. Hilarious. OK, well, I appreciate that uh, nice flourish to the episode here. So <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Race. Uh, do you like the fiction books or the nonfiction books better we want to know so go ahead and reach out to us via email via twitter via instagram we look forward to hearing from you and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thanks we ask you to follow us on instagram at brace.22 paul's twitter is at paul from brace and be sure to email us at brace22 at protonmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks, we appreciate it.